Parshas Vayera. Do we believe in born-again Jew? Do we believe that when one undergoes a spiritual transformation, they are supposed to see themselves as truly starting over? And they are supposed to lose touch with their past, almost disown their past. This is a very relevant question, not only for Gerim converts or Bali Chuva, but for all of us when we grow in life. I once read a book written by a Balas Chuva where she writes that at first she thought that she had to shut out her past, that talents, hobbies which she had in her previous life, which might have not seemed, shall we say, so kosher, she should dispense with them. But eventually she came to the realization that her past and her interests of her past are her and remain her. We are products of our upbringing. We just need to find healthy expression for them. She wrote, I have to find kosher expression for my previous proclivities, hobbies, character traits. Never disown your past. It's you. And therefore I contend when the Gemara says regarding Gerim, converts, Gershen Eskayer Kikotan Shinola Tavi. The convert is considered like reborn. We need to accentuate the chaf, the kikat on Shinoladami, the like he's like reborn. It's a relative statement. In an actual sense, his past remains part of him. We don't dispense our past with our past. We elevate our past. We find kosher, righteous manifestation as per our present state of being. And this is a very relevant issue as we transition from last week's parsha into this week's parsha, Because the point of transition between these two parshas is quite marked and apparent. And that is the brismila of Avram Avinu at the end of last week's parsha. Brismila was quite literally the makeover moment for Avram. His body changes with the circumcision. His name changes from Avram to Avraham. And spiritually speaking, his identity changes. As the Ramban writes in Parshas Amar, Avram becomes called Jewish. He's Kadosh B'kdushas Yisrael at the time of his meal. Previously, Avram was a righteous Noahide. And this the perspective, I think, is very clear from the Chumash. It is for the first time at the Brismila that Hashem tells Avram, Leos Racha. I am your God and the God of your children. Mila was his transitional moment, his conversion, as marked by his new name. Avram becomes Avraham. So, what I think we will see from a thorough treatment of our parsha, as much as Vayera is the post-conversion Avram, the Avram who has become Avraham, he is not really dispensing with his past. He is on one hand holy and different, but at the same time, very much in touch with his previous life and elevating it. Let's develop this together. I want to develop this from a, an overarching, unified treatment of the parsha. The first event in our parsha, when Avram Avinu has an avua from Hashem, Vayerel of Hashem, and then greets the three guests, the three malachim in human form, is understood by Chazal as truly a mark of his new status. 
as the Medrash tells us, Vayere love Hashem, Hashem says, Avram says, now Hashem's going to appear to me. Now I understand I'm fit for divine revelation because I'm circumcised. And furthermore, explains the Medrash, Hashem was in a sense telling him when the three angels came, when the three Malachim came, until now, your friends, your social group were heathens. Now, your clique, your chaverim, are my angels. You are a sacred person. So the parsha clearly, from this midrashic perspective, stages itself as the holier Avram. You might say the frumer Avram. But as we proceed, what we will see is holy as he is, from and devout as he is, he never loses touch with his past. Because we will trace an uncanny pattern tonight. Every piece of the Avram story in Parshas Vayera is so remarkably similar to something in his previous life in Parshas Lech Lecha. And as with every pattern, the power of the pattern is in the breadth of its scope. We will see without fail every single event which follows the, that opening scene in our parsha. Every single one directly corresponds to some corollary event in his previous life, pre-Milin Lech Lecha. He's maintaining the connection to his past, but in each case, elevating it. Let's dig in and see it in front of us. Immediately after the story with the guests, we have the story with Sido. Now, think about it a second. Stone was destroyed in our parsha. Well, in last week's parsha, Parsha's Lachlacha, stone was almost captured and destroyed in the battle of the four and the five kings. Number two, in both cases, stone was threatened not as an individual city, but as one of five. Last week's parsha frames stone when they're victimized and attacked by the four kings as one of five kingdoms. And our parsha speaks of stone as one of five cities, which is divinely decreed to be destroyed. I would like to suggest the five cities and the five kingdoms and the two respective parshas are the same, but certainly there's a conceptual linkage. Furthermore, not only is stone threatened in both parshas and threatened as one of five, but in both cases, Avram intervenes to save stone. In last week's parsha, he actually girds his loins with weaponry and wages a war to save stone and load. And in our parsha, Avram tries the best he can. He intervenes with prayer. And a prayer which we can also look at as a battle of sorts, because Rashi interprets Avram Avinu's entreaty in our parasha as on one level, Lashon Milchama. He was waging war with the divine, interceding to show mercy to stone. And not only in both cases, Lachlacha and Vayera, did Avram intervene to save stone, but in both cases, his intervention was most successful and most focused on Lot. In last week's parasha, of course, his entire motivation to get involved in the battle was to save Lot. And in our parasha, the Chumash tells us quite clearly that the reason why Lot survived was b'schus Avram. As the Pasuk says, when Hashem turned over these cities, by Yizkarol Kimas Avram, Hashem remembered Avram and hence he saved Lot. So, here we have a deja vu of sorts. Stone, the location where Lot lives, in both cases in Avram's life, 
there's a very, very similar story. But similar, yet different. Somehow, if you, we delve deeper into our, the story of Stominar Parsha, we will see, while it is still Avram, and the same Avram as before, the same, same characteristics, even some of the same life circumstances, such as saving Sodom, the attempt to save Stone on his part, there's a difference which shows his new status. There must be. And of course, the critical difference is, in last week's parasha, Stone is threatened with destruction, but not actually destroyed. Stone survives the battle with the four kings. Mashaenki, however, in our parasha, Stone is actually destroyed. And the way I would interpret this from the perspective of the Avramic change, Avram as a new person is, Stone, which we know is the place which most deeply rejects Avram's value of chesed, it's a place which literally legislates decrees, thou shall not invite guests, they have no place anymore in the world. Because at the time of Avram's brismila, he calls Avraham, which means Avhamon Gayim, the father of many nations, i.e. the spiritual father of all nations, of all mankind, as Rashi explains. So if Avram is the spiritual father of mankind, he is the center of the universe. All people must align themselves in some way with Avram's values, otherwise they cannot perpetuate. So now that Avram is not simply a righteous individual like in last week's parasha, Avram, but he's Avraham, he's the spiritual father of mankind. He's experiencing the same basic story, but from the perspective of the center of mankind, who all of mankind need to coalesce around and align themselves with in order to survive, non-Bali Chesed, those who most egregiously undermine his values will not continue to exist. That's my study of the, of the, of the Stome event in our story and how it relates to his past but yet grows with him in a sense. And the pattern continues when we go into the next episode in our parsha, And we continue to trace deja vus from his previous life, but now on a higher plane. Because the next episode in the parsha is, Avram goes into an exile of sorts. He leaves Eretz Yisrael proper, you might say, leaves Chevron, his primary place of dwelling, and he settles in Eretz Plishtim, the land of the Philistines. This, I would argue, correlates to the event in Parshas Lechlecha when he leaves Eretz Yisrael and exiles himself to Mitzrayim. And, the, and this parallel becomes even sharper when we appreciate that Avram engages in a very similar technique. He tells Sarah in this week's parasha as they tr- journey towards Eretz Plishtim. He says, you know what? There might be lurking eyes, lustful eyes, Lustful for your beauty, Sarah. So why don't you say you're my sister? Huh, that's awfully similar, awfully reminiscent of a story I know before. So clearly, like his previous exile in Mitzrayim, now in his exile in Eretz Plishtim, it's truly deja vu. And the deja vu continues, just as the king abducts Sarah, the king Paromelch Mitzrayim in last week's parsha. here, Avi... Melech Melech Gerar, Melech Eretz Plishtim, abducts Sarah. And in both cases, there's divine intervention to ensure that Sarah will not be violated. So here we have yet again unmistakable deja vu in Avram's life. So precise and so so precisely and on a multifaceted level paralleled. But you see, once again, what we're going to see here is 
Avram is reliving his past, but on a higher plane, now that he's converted to be Avraham. Now that he has a Kedushas Yisrael. Because there are several points of contrast for all the comparisons between these two stories of his wife's abduction and his exile. In last week's parsha, he's totally exiled. He must leave Eretz Yisrael for Chutzlar. While in this parsha, his exile is within greater Israel, within greater Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Plishtim. But even more than that, not only does he remain in a holy land, but he's hanging out with holier people. The Mitzrim were thoroughly corrupt. Paro and the Mitzrim. That is why Avram had no future in Eretz Mitzrayim. On the other hand, in Eretz Plishtim, he sticks around. He's dealing with a better clientele, as Rashi says. In fact, Avimelch, the king of Plishtim, for all his faults, for all of his lust, is a prophet in our parishes, a navi in our parishes. So you see that Avimelch and his people are a holier people, they're in a holier land. So what we're seeing in our parishes, now that he's Avraham, his struggles remain. It's not the false impression some people have that become Jewish, become from, and then there are no more struggles. That's a recipe for disaster. You know, that happens very often people who are struggling in their previous life, their irreligious life, and they think religion's the answer. You know, that's kind of what Marx had in mind when he saw religion as the opium of the masses. People think they're going to escape their problems through becoming from, and it doesn't happen because the human condition is wrought with problems, wrought with struggle. No, Avram is not leaving problems behind. You remain in exile, and your wife will be attacked, and there will be domestic struggles, and you'll, you'll continue to struggle. But now you'll struggle with all on a holier plane, hopefully dealing with holier people and in a holier place and station. And the pattern continues in the next episode in our parsha. Yet another deja vu in Avram's life from last week's parsha, but now on a higher level. Just as in last week's parsha, Avram first finally becomes a, a father, a biological father with the birth of Yishmael, here he becomes a father once again with the birth of Yitzchak. Very similar, yet very different, again, reflecting his higher status. Yishmael versus Yitzchak. Need I say more? Yishmael ben Hagar HaMitzras versus Yitzchak ben Sarah Imenu. Again, holier station, holier wife, holier kid. Let's move on to the next episode in our parasha, which follows the same pattern of unmistakable resounding similarity and yet growth on Avram's part. Because what happens next is painful episode when Avram must throw out, expel Hagar and Yishmael from his home. This story is so remarkably similar to the story in last week's parasha when Hagar also ran away with a sense of abandonment from Avram's house. And when you study the two stories and put them side by side, Hagar feeling abandoned and persecuted in last week's parasha when she runs away and Hagar and Yishmael in their flight in this week's parasha, the two stories on so many levels are echoing of each other, resounding of each other. Right? Not only is Hagar slash Yishmael divorced in both stories, but the dynamics are very similar. In both cases, Hagar slash Yishmael are rivaling with Sarah slash Yitzchak. In last week's parasha, when Hagar became pregnant in a way that Sarah was unable to, Hagar kind of exudes this mistress of the house, 
on top of, I'm on top of the world aura. And likewise in our parsha, according to Chazal Yishmael's threatening Yitzchak, I'm the real ear to the Avramic throne. Moreover, in both cases, the source of the agitation is Sarah. It was Sarah who reacted to, to Hagar in last week's parsha. Batana, she oppressed Sarah. She worked Hagar hard in order to bring Hagar back to her appropriate place of submission. And it is also Sarah who in our parsha says Tavram, I want you to throw out this woman and her son. Right on both parshas, it's Hagar and Yishmael in a sense leaving. Moreover, because in last week's parsha, according to a on a according to a pshat level read, medrash aside, it is a pregnant hugger with Yishmael in her womb who runs away. And in our parsha, it's hugger and Yishmael in body, as, as a separate entity. But the, the dynamics are fundamentally the same. And moreover, in both parshias, there's a body of water serving as a landmark. Of course, in our parsha. Thirsty Yishmael, dehydrated Yishmael is provided for. His thirst is quenched by a Be'er Mayim. Well, in last, in, in, last, in last week's parasha, likewise, Hagar is addressed on an Ein Mayim, on a well of water. And in both cases, Hagar is addressed in an angelic vision by a Malach. So remarkably similar. I'm told in both cases, your son Yishmael is going to do A-OK. He's going to do just fine. So here we have so many multifaceted connections between the two stories. How could this not be seen as a deja vu? And especially how magnificently it coalesces with the larger pattern of repeated deja vus in Avram's life post-Mila, post-conversion, post-assumption of Dushas Yisrael on his part. That here, same sort of dynamics with a rival in the house who's thrown out, on one hand thrown out, but at the same time comforted by the divine. So it's deja vu. But once again, on a higher level, Avram, I think, experiences this painful episode of domestic rivalry in his home on a higher level. Because in last week's parasha, you understand, Hugger comes back. The issue is really not resolved. In this week's parasha, Hugger and Yishmael are gone for good. They never come back to Avram's home because he's Avraham now. He is pure. He is the father of Yitzchak, less so of Yishmael. Pure, pristine, unsullied, peaceful home, holy home, righteous home. And finally, the last episode in our parasha is the episode of the Akedah, which in so many ways echoes of the opening event in Parshas Lechacha. When Avram left his birthplace for somewhere yonder. So appreciate in both stories. Avram has an Isayim, has a test to, to show his dedication to Hashem by surrendering or severing familial ties. In Lach Lecha, he, he's told, leave behind your parents, your birthplace. And in our parasha, he's told even more painfully, sacrifice your son. 
And in both, number two, in both cases, we actually have the word and phrase Lech Lecha. Just as in last week's parsha, he's told Lech Lecha Meyartzecha in the Sakeda story. Hashem says, Kachmas Pinchas Yechitcha Sherahavtes Yitzchak Velech Lecha Al Eretz Go for yourself to the land of Moria. Unmistakable echo. The term Lechlecha does not appear in any additional place in Chumash. The Akedah story is so clearly echoing of the original Lechlecha. And there are additional parallels. In both cases, Hashem tells him, you're going somewhere yonder, but I'm not telling you exactly where. Lechlecha meyartzecha meymeyladatcha meybeisavicha shararaka. In the first, go to some place where I will show you. And here he says, in the Akedah story, You'll bring him on some mountain that I will identify for you later. Avram, you have to deal with embarking on a difficult journey without knowing your precise destination. An additional parallel between the two stories, in both cases Rashi notes that Hashem is being evasive or unclear in order to increase Avram's show of dedication and reward. In that story, he says, I'm not telling you where, and in this story, Hashem extends the the narrative without telling Avram right away who he should sacrifice. Rashi has the very same phenomenon of Hashem does not reveal to Avram right away either where he's headed in the former example of Lachlachar, which who he's supposed to sacrifice in the story for in both cases, Avram to deal with the suspense and show dedication. And then finally, in final parallel, at the end of the Akedah story, Hashem really echoes of many of the Lachlachar promises. In the original journey of Lachlachar, Hashem said, promised him, You're, you're going to father children. And likewise, if you study the Chumash at the end of the Akedah narrative, he says, he speaks about Avram's children. Furthermore, in both cases, he says, Bracha. He says in Vavarechacha, in the Lechacha story, and here at the end of the Akedah, he says, Barechavarechacha. And furthermore, just just as he says in the Lechlecha mandate, v'nivrechu b'cha kolmash b'chos all the people of the earth will be blessed through you, at the end of the Akedah story, he says, v'nivrechu b'zaracha kogayehar, it's all the people will be blessed through your children. It's almost a cut and paste. The precision is so on the nose. The parallelism is so on the nose. So unremarkably similar. The divine author has something up his sleeve here, Kiviyaha. He wants yet the final episode of Parshas Vayera in line with the rest of the list we studied in the Parsha to be deja vus in Avram Avinu's life, where he's reliving the past, but now on a higher level, because you see, Lech Lecha, he embarked on his own journey. Here he's embarking with Yitzchak, Akedas Yitzchak. And it is very clear that the blessings of the Akedah are highlighting the fact that here his children are becoming blessed with him. For example, you notice how it says, how in one of our pa- parallels, in the Akedah he says, through your children all people will be blessed. Unlike in Lachachah where he didn't have children, where Hashem simply said, 
and likewise, in Parshas Lech Lecha, he simply said, Vavarechecha, I'm going to bless you, in the singular, in the single expression, Vavarechecha. There's, a, however, a double expression in the Akedah, bless you, I will bless you, which Rashi says means achas la'ava, achas l'ben. One blessing on Avram's head, one Yitz, blessing on Yitzchak's head. The theme seems to be here, Avram is not simply a righteous individual, but Avram is an Av. He's, av, he's everything an Av is. He's a patriarch of the Jewish people who's bequeathing a legacy to a worthy ear in the body of Yitzchak and ultimately you and I. So my friends, here we have the power of a pattern. And what I want to kind of do is kind of take a step back. What is so magnificent about the work we did is actually realized even more so when you take a step back. You pull away, as I just did from the screen. You notice many intricate patterns between Lech Lecha and Vayeratona, but think how on the nose, event by event, the, the two respective stone stories, the two respective wife being nabbed stories, oh, saying she's my sister, the two respective stories of having children, Yitzchak and Yishmael, Yishmael and Yitzchak, the two banishment stories of Hagar, the Akedah versus the original Lech Lecha, so similar just elevated. And what is the message of this? Here we have, we've kind of pulled back the curtain. It's so clear that what's up the divine author's sleeve here. He wants just on a higher level. You know why? I posit this is to teach us. We don't really begin and believe in born-again Jews. Gershon Eskayer kikat on Shanoa Dami. He's only like reborn. He's not actually reborn. Never sever your, yourself from your past. Never divorce yourself from your past. As I once heard a Breslover Chassid I know who grew up in Columbia, Maryland playing golf. And he said he used to wonder why he couldn't be born like his contemporaries in Meisharim. And then he realized there's a reason I was born in Columbia, Maryland with an interest in golf. I'm supposed to take all of that with me, and it's supposed to form my present identity as a breast of a chassid. He said, yes, Hashem apparently wants me to be a richer person than my colleagues in, in, in Meisharim who lived in a more insular environment. You see, there's total hashkacha, there's total divine providence in terms of who I was born to, which parents, with which exposure, and don't disown your past, don't disdain your past. At the same time, don't be stunted by your past. Elevate it. Don't dispense it. Don't jettison a piece of yourself. And that is why we understand so powerfully now. Parshas Vayera is the post-Mila story, the post-Geras of Avram. When, when Avram becomes Avraham, he's new, but he's not new. Hashem is showing him, you're going through the same basic dynamics as before, just at a higher level. And you are armed with more powerful tools to deal with these struggles thrown your way. And again, recall as we developed before, how he's continuing to struggle. There is no bailing out from life's challenges from the vicissitudes of Olam Hazet by becoming from. That always fails every time. Religion ought not be the, opi- the opium of the masses. No. You know, I oftentimes think of it as a, as a from person, as an Obed Hashem. It's not that I don't struggle in life. It's not that we don't struggle in life. It's that we have Hashem. And it's a game changer to cope with life's vicissitudes with Hashem. 
as opposed to coping with life's vicissitudes, Khalila without Hashem. That's what Frumkite does for you. It gives you a Hashem to arm you, to stare down life's challenges. And they are wretched, and they are hard, and they are brutal sometimes. That doesn't change. But now I have faith. Now I have that anchor of faith. I gird myself in the power of Hamuna. That allows me to cope with the vicissitudes of life. But the, the fundamental life dynamics don't change. We are simply in a more elevated place to deal with them. That is, I suggest, the message of this greater pattern of Parshas Vayera. What a relevant theme. What a magnificent interpretation of this pattern on an overarching thematic levels, on a sweeping thematic level. But to close out tonight, I want to find one more clue, one more powerful clue to point to this idea, this meta-theme of Parshas Vayera. Showing me that Avram, as much as he's changed from Avram to Avraham, as much as he's become a ger, is not supposed to jettison his past. Well, listen to this. We'll conclude with this. Let's study his name carefully, or his really his pre and post. You know those before and after pictures? Like they show in the dentist, they find the picture of the person with the most rotting uh Black infested teeth, and then they show the picture with totally whitened, right? So the picture when they show weight loss, right? Where they show the person as exceedingly obese, and then they show the person thin as a uh, a broomstick, right? So let's look at kind of the before and after picture of Avram, really as represented by his two names. So let's see if it's, it's totally markedly different as in those caricatures you see in the magazines. Okay, so his first name is Avram which Rashi tells, tells us is an abbreviation for the words Avla Aram. You're the father of Mesopotamia. Avram was a leader on a local level. Fine. Then he becomes a ger. He's, he's circumcised. And he becomes Avraham. Avhamongayim, father of many nations. Now within itself it's notable that the two names are much, much more, sim- more similar than they are different. He's an Av. He's a father. He's a leader in both. It's simply segueing from Av Laram to Av Hamongai. Segueing from a local f- leadership, a local fatherhood, to a global leadership. That within itself is meaningful. Avram's fundamental characteristics didn't change. He was an Av. He was a fatherly figure. He was a nurturer. He was a leader. He's just expanding the scope of his activities. That's point one. But even more so, Notice the following, when you really eyeball those two respective names, Avram and Avraham. You see, because the, the, new, the name Avram makes sense. Avlaram, it's, it's an abbreviation of that word. But the new name, Avraham, is an abbreviation for Avhamon, father of men. It's actually a little imprecise. What's the Resh doing? Avraham. He should be called Avham for Avhamon. What's the Resh doing? So Rashi says the Reish is kind of a holdout from his previous name. He was Avram. So all of those letters of Avram become subsumed in Avraham. The Reish had nowhere to go, so the Reish stays. And Rashi cites this Medrash that letters of names had to go somewhere. Like we see the Yud of Sarah had to attach itself to Yeshua's name. Hoshea becomes Yeshua. Well, whatever that concept means, there's something profoundly irking, seemingly about this residual rash from Avram's previous name, Avram, 
that kind of just endures and tags on to his present name. Because think about it. Avram becomes a guy. Avram undergoes a major makeover. Spiritual makeover. And due to some sort of technical limitation, there's nowhere for the race to go. He needs this residue from his previous name, from his Heath name. I mean, Avram works so hard. Avram works so hard to grow. And here, he must be burdened with baggage from the past. You might say it's only a letter, and who cares about a letter? But you know, every letter in Torah is laden with meaning. How troubling that Avram is forced every time he eyes his birth certificate, which is never totally changed. Every time he faces it, he eyeballs his passport. Avram must face some residual rage from the past, which doesn't really have a place in his present name, Avham, Avhamot. How do we explain that? But the answer is the rage does have a place. You know why? Think Hashem is telling Avram something very profound with this enduring rage. Hashem is telling Avram, don't think it's a total makeover. Don't think you're totally reborn and you should see your past life as irrelevant to you in terms of your present. New name, new identity. The name makes the man. I'm, I'm not Avram, I'm Avraham. No. The, re- the residual race is representing you never leave your past behind. You elevate it. That race now somehow becomes incorporated within the Avraham, which I suggest is to show that all his character traits in the past or his personality traits are to find some healthy expression, as that Balchbal's Chuvai began with was saying. Don't disown your past. Because if you disown your past, you're really disowning part of yourself. And that's incongruent, that's inauthentic. If a person was born in a less insular environment, it means they have a mission to do something richer now as a front person. And someone raised more insular, perhaps, perhaps, if they don't have needs to expand, they might have a more, a narrower journey, which is okay. We travel a different journey with a different topic. Never disown your past. Embrace your past. Just elevate you. Meta message of the Parsha as we trace through our pattern. And this is, I think, all attesting to the power of the resounding Reish. Never disown your past. Just elevate it. Because a Tyrus Chaim is always embracing of ourselves as people. Anyone who finds that their religious life, their entire life, leaves them feeling hobbled or incomplete or unresonant, something is wrong. Something is wrong. That is not Torah. Struggles, yes. Religious questions, religious tensions will be there. But a basic resonance with my condition and my kaychas hanefesh and their expression, that is what a Torah's chayim is all about. And that is the lesson of Parshas Vayera woven together as a cohesive tapestry. He's living his previous life, but just on a higher plane.
Be truth to thyself. Amen. Any questions?